0: So, we are going to be talking today, as we have been for the last few weeks, about seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord. And uh, if you were here uh, during the first week, we talked about seeking the Lord. And whenever we seek Him, this is a a biblical principle found all throughout Scripture. And there's a lot of incredible promises attached to seeking the Lord, such as the, the main one that we read over and over in the Bible. God tells us that if we seek Him, we will We'll find him. That's a promise from the word of God. And so we talked about uh, week one how there's peace in the land. When we seek God, there will be peace in the land. There will be peace in our lives. There will be peace in our communities when we seek the Lord. Uh, Last week we talked about how there is strength in the land. Whenever we seek God together, we're strengthened together as the body of Christ. Uh, Our hearts are strengthened, our minds are strengthened, our emotions are strengthened whenever we seek God. Well, today, I want to talk about something a little bit different, but it's going to be good, and that is God's will in the land, God's will in the land. As a youth pastor, one of the questions that I get asked the most uh, is, especially whenever uh, my students get to be seniors in high school and they're getting ready to go to college and they're, they're trying to sort out and figure out what they're going to do, uh, what their life is going to look like, where they're going to go to school, if they're going to go to school, uh, whether or not to go straight into a, a job in the workforce or, or go into a branch of the military. And that, if you remember, if you've been there before, you remember how challenging that period of life is because you're trying to figure out how to become independent from your parents, but you still depend on them. And it's a, it's a confusing time of life. It's a hard time of life. And one of the questions I get asked the most is, hey, Pastor Sam, I'm thinking about going to college here or I'm thinking about working here, but how do I know if that's what God wants me to do or not? How do I know? And I would be bold enough to say that there are many of us who are well past those years and those stages in our life, where we still have that question, what does God want me to do in my life or with my life? What's God's will? What's God's purpose for me? Maybe you feel like you haven't been walking in God's purpose for you, or maybe you feel like you had, but somewhere you strayed, or maybe you made a wrong decision, and you're not quite sure if you're right in that vein where God wants you to be. Well, today, that's what we're going to talk about. Someone say, God's will... In the land, in the land, all right. So Second Chronicles chapter 16, again, we're just going to read through this whole chapter. We started in chapter 14, uh, and then last week we read through chapter 15. This week we're going to read through chapter 16. It's only 14 verses long, so here we go. It says, Second Chronicles 16, in the 36th year of Asa's reign, King Besha of Israel invaded Judah and fortified Ramah. ...in order to prevent anyone from entering or leaving King Asa's territory in Judah. Asa responded by removing the silver and gold from the treasuries of the temple of the Lord and the royal palace. He sent it to King Ben-Hadad of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus, along with this message. The message said this, Let there be a treaty between you and me, like the one between your father and my father. See, I am sending you silver and gold... Break your treaty with King Besha of Israel so that, we, so that he will leave me alone. Ben-Hadad agreed to King Asa's request and sent the commanders of his army to attack the towns of Israel. They conquered the towns of Ajan, Dan, Abel beth and all the store cities of Naphtali. As soon as Beshah of Israel heard what was happening, he abandoned his project of fortifying Ramah and stopped all work on it. Then King Asa called out all the men of Judah to carry away the building stones and timbers that Basha had been using to fortify Ramah. Asa used these materials to fortify the towns of Geba and Mizpah. At that time, Hanani the seer, or you could say prophet, came to King Asa and told him, this is the message, because you have put your trust in the king of Aram, Instead of in the Lord your God, you missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. Don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians and Libyans and their vast army with all of their chariots and charioteers? At that time, you relied on the Lord. Someone say relied. And he handed them over to you. The eyes of the Lord. This is good. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. But then he tells him this, what a fool you have been. From now on, you will be at war. Asa became so angry with Hanani for saying this, that he threw him into prison and put him in stocks. At that time, Asa also began to oppress some of his people. The rest of the events of Asa's reign from beginning to end are recorded in the book of the kings of Judah in Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. Even with the severity of his disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physicians. So, he died in the 41st year of his reign. He was buried in the tomb he had carved out for himself in the city of David. He was laid on a bed, perfumed with sweet spices and fragrant ointments, and the people built a huge funeral fire in his honor. And I think that maybe we should go back to this time whenever they had big bonfires for funerals. <laughs> I think that that might be a pretty cool way to, you know, to see someone out is just build a huge bonfire, you know? I don't know. Anyways, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but... <laughs> This story is is so engaging, and I know just reading through it and hearing the names and the cities and the places, it probably got kind of monotonous, but uh, we're going to break it down today and see what God wants us to know about seeking Him and finding His will. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, understand that God is with you. See, church, if we're going to experience God's will in the land that we're living, we have to understand that God is with us, presently with us. I think so many times we, we have this idea that, that, you know, if we're searching out God's will, that, that we've really got to dig into prayer. And I'm not saying we don't. We should, absolutely. The, the Bible talks all about that. But I feel like the reason that our motive is to dig into prayer so that we can find God. Well, we need to understand that God is right here. God is already with us. We should pray for, for all of these things, yes, but we shouldn't pray so that we can find God. It says if we seek him, we will find him. All you got to do is just go into his presence and say, God, here I am. And guess what? You will be, he will be found by you. We have to understand, if we're going to experience God's will in the land, we have to understand that God is with us. If you remember last week, whenever we read about the life and the, the reign of King Asa, If you'll remember what he did at the end of of chapter 15, I'll just read it for you. It says, he brought into the temple of God the silver and gold and the various items that he and his father had dedicated, so there was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. We remember that he experienced this incredible time of peace in the land, and God had given them an incredible amount of strength in the land. And so Asa, the king of Judah, he takes all of these valuable items and possessions and he carries them in to the temple of the Lord and he lays them down as an offering to God. But then now we see whenever Asa is faced with another dilemma, he goes into the temple he gathers those valuable items, and he takes them out and uses those valuable items as a bribe to another king of a foreign land. Now, here's the thing. Somewhere along the way, the Bible tells us that there was 20 years of peace in the land of Judah, and Asa got to experience this incredible time of peace. Now, 20 years of peace May not seem like quite as big of a deal to us, but back then it was a huge deal. They were at war all the time with everybody. Nobody got along back then. As you see, I mean, we're talking about the king of Judah. They didn't even get along with Israel, and they used to be one, but they had this civil war-type situation that broke out, so Israel and Judah split off from one another. It was one nation that was divided into two kingdoms. No one was getting along with anybody. Sound familiar? It does. It absolutely does. And Asa, somewhere along the way with this 20 years of peace, he must have gotten comfortable. He must have let his guard down. He must have ultimately stopped seeking the Lord because the king of Israel, Basha, he comes at them and he... Uh, takes over this border city called Ramah, which is right on the border. We've got the, Israel is the, the northern kingdom. you got Judah, which is the southern kingdom. And Ramah is a border city. And so the king of Israel, he comes and invades Ramah. And he starts fortifying the town, as this chapter just told us, so that no one can come from Israel down to Judah, and no one can go from Judah up to Israel. And there's no trade going on between them. This, this is what's happening right here. There is a political sanction The king of Israel puts a political sanction on the kingdom of Judah. We're real familiar, especially over the last few years, hearing about different sanctions that our presidents have put in place uh, with different countries. What a sanction is, is if you don't agree with the political stance of another country, you can put a sanction on them. In other words, you can say, hey, we're not going to give you any of our goods, and we're not going to buy any of your goods. It, It hurts that country economically, hopefully, to persuade them to change their political policy. This is what's happening right here in the Bible. The king of Israel puts a sanction on Judah. Now, back up two chapters to chapter 14. Do y'all remember what happened? Judah was attacked by a one million man army. And what happens? Here's Asa's response when that happens. Second Chronicles 14, verse 10 through 12, it says, So Asa deployed his armies for battle in the valley north of Mereshah. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God. Listen to what he said. Listen to his prayer. O Lord, no one but you can help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord our God, for we trust in you alone. That's a powerful prayer. It is in your name that we have come against this vast horde. O Lord, you are God. Do not let mere man prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians in the presence of Asa and the army of Judah, and the enemy fled. Let me ask you a question. Was Asa's response to this one million man army attack, was it a response of faith, or was it a response of lack and trust in God? Help me out. It was a response of faith. He took what God had already given him, his 580,000 troops, he set them up, and then Asa went into the presence of God and sought God's heart, sought God's will for this situation. He asked God, God, only you can help us. Only you can save us, and we trust in you alone. We don't trust in our weapons. We don't trust in, in our advantages or disadvantages. God, we only trust in you, that you can save us, from this enemy. That is a statement of faith, church. That is a statement of faith. Now, fast forward to the chapter we just read. There's a political sanction. No threat of war. No threat of violence. Nothing of that sort going on. They're not being attacked by a million men. And here is Asa's response. It says, 2 Chronicles 16, verse 2-3, Asa responded by removing the silver and gold from the treasuries of the temple of the Lord. Listen, he went into the temple of the Lord, but he didn't seek the Lord. Oh, wow. Let me step on your toes real quick. (laughs) How many times have have we as individuals come to church and never sought God? Maybe we, we felt frustrated that day, or maybe we were stressed out because of a particular situation that we're going through, and so we came to church just kind of almost out of habit, and we get into the pews, and, and worship's happening, and, and our heart isn't there. We're in the building, but our heart's not there. We're not truly seeking God. How many times has that happened? That, that's happened to me so many times. I can't even count. Well, this is what happens to Asa. He goes into the temple of God, but he doesn't seek God. He just takes the treasures that he had given and brings them out and offers them as a bribe to a foreign king to help him with a political situation. I think so many of us good Christians do this. We trust God for the difficult things that we know we can't handle. And with the easier things that we think we can, we never seek him for those moments. Instead, we think, oh, I've got enough here to make ends meet. I've got enough here to make this happen in my life. Can I challenge you today? Don't be a good Christian (laughs) Be a lover of the presence of Jesus. Because if we will continue to seek God, come on, in the hard times, in the good times, in the difficult situations, and in the, even in the, the moments and the things that we think we can handle, if we would just take that extra moment of time and go and seek the Lord, guess what? You might actually find out his will for your life or for that situation. I want you to notice this. Asa thought he had the answer. He thought he had the answer, but instead of going to God and understanding that God was still with them, even in this small situation, he took matters into his own hands. I want to show you something to, to kind of help us understand this. So in our lives, this, this table right here is, is going to be our lives. So let's, let's just say this is a, a, month, of, a month span of time of our lives right here. So there's a lot of things happening, a lot of things going on in our world. We all know that. We're aware of that. So let, let's just throw a few things out here. Um, there's always something around the house that needs to be fixed. There's always something going on. We, we, we got to have fixed. So we got to spend some time repairing the house or or maybe that, that represents your job. You're a plumber. I don't know. But there's something going on in your life that takes up time during your week. Uh, let's see here. Oh, here we got this guy right here. Uh, we spend so much time Wanting to look good or uh, be presented as something uh, valuable or, or uh, better than the rest maybe, And so we, we try to make ourselves look good uh, around other people. And we don't want people to know that our lives are messed up too, right? So we do all understand that everyone has problems, right? In our lives, everyone has problems. That's why we need to seek the Lord, all right? Uh, let's see here. Uh, maybe you are building a house, or maybe you're starting a new business, or, or whatever the case may be, but, but you're building something, you're doing something that's going to take up time in your life. Uh, maybe you're a gamer, and you spend a little bit too much time on the Xbox, or, or PlayStation 5, or, or whatever that case may be right there. That's going to take up some time in your life. Uh, let's see here. Maybe you really like to sleep, have you ever met anybody that likes to sleep? Or some of you are like, <laughs> it's you. He's talking about you. <laughs> some of us just really like to sleep, and, and we sleep a lot. Um, so maybe that, I don't know. Uh, maybe you want that new car that you're saving up for. Maybe your car has something broken that needs to be repaired on it. you got to spend time figuring that out. Come on, life, it, it happens. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Got to drive those kids to sports. They got a ton of events, a ton of activities. Uh, and you, you, you're the, the chauffeur for them. You're driving them back and forth several times to several different events every single week. You got that going on in your life. You're, you're a busy parent. Uh, that's going on. Uh, like I said, different types of sports happening there. Um, oh, maybe you're working on your education. Maybe you decided to go back to college and these classes are taking up time in your life. We all know how that is. Uh, Let's see here. Maybe you work from home now, and you've got to spend a little bit more time than you regularly would have on the computer, on the internet, and you spend most of your life looking at a screen. Maybe you just spend way too much time on one of these right here, right? Um, Let's see here. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you just want to look really good. So you're spending time at the gym, or you're spending, I don't know, an hour and a half on, on makeup, or or picking out the right clothes. I don't know what it it may be. Um, Oh, this one might hurt a little bit. Maybe you're so busy with religion, with wanting to be the good Christian, wanting to look the part that maybe you haven't spent as much time actually seeking the presence of God. Uh, Let's hear, oh, we like our entertainment here in America. We've got a, uh, a big game happening this afternoon, the Super Bowl uh, <laughs> that's going on. That might take up some time in your life watching the games. Hey, I love sports. I love to watch sports. Uh, all of the moms in here will understand this one. I don't even have to tell you about this. They'll know that. They'll know exactly what that means. The guys are like, "What? what is that? Like, that literally takes no time out of my life. But, you know, and then on top of all this, uh, we, we've got a pandemic on our hands. You know, things going on. we got to you know, clean things up, you got to, you know, make sure that, you know, you're doing whatever you need to do for that. And then, of course, we all, it's only February right now, but everyone knows that summer's coming up, and our vacation plans are about to start happening, and, you know, you got to get all that planned, you got to figure, you got to save your money, you got to do all this kind of stuff, right? And so, we fill up our lives with things, and God gives us this incredible promise, though, that if we will, come on, if we will seek him, we will. But most of us Christians kind of pull an Asa in our life a lot of times. We will fill our life up with so many things and situations that we won't truly seek the will of God for our land or for our lives. And so what we try to do as, as good Christians is we will try to fit God around what we've already got going on. We'll try to find a place in here for him, and, and, uh, but there's, there's really no, God, I'm sorry, there's not a whole lot of room this month. Uh, I've just got a whole lot going on. Y'all remember the story in the Bible? Jesus walks into the temple, and he sees all the money changers he sees all the people selling goods. He walks in and he, he sees the temple of God becoming so cluttered with things that the people in the temple have forgotten what the temple is really about. Jesus goes in there and he clears the temple. And what does he tell him? He says, my house will be called a house of Prayer a place where you can seek me, a place where you can seek the heart of God, a place where you can seek the will of God. And you're like, what does Jesus do whenever he goes into the temple? He's like, "Um, hmm, we're going to have to do a little bit of rearranging. And then Jesus, he flips the table. Now I want you to notice something once I get this little ducky off of here. Jesus wasn't trying to destroy anything that was happening around him. Jesus isn't a destroyer. Jesus is a rebuilder. He was cleansing the temple. In other words, he was making room for what really matters most seeking God. And now, come on, that's good. Now, I'm not saying that any of this is bad. We all know it's not. That's why we spend time on it. It's it's stuff that we enjoy, or in the case of the moms, it's something that you just have to do, right? But here's the thing. Instead of trying to fit God around our busy lives, we should say, okay, God, I'm putting you front and center. And let's see here. I've got this going on in my life. Let me see. I can fit that around over here. I don't want to stop seeking you, God. You're, You're right in the middle. you got prime position, prime place right there. I got to sleep a little bit. We can put that over there. Uh, You know, I still got to work. I can't just quit my job. Um, Let's see here. I'm going to put some time limits on my phone so I don't spend too much time there. Uh, You know, I'm I'm still going to work on my education, but we start to look at our life in in a different lens, with a different lens. Instead of just trying to fill it with stuff and then fit God into it, we make this decision to place God first in our lives, to seek him in all we do, and the rest of our life will fit around it. The Bible tells us seek, seek first the kingdom of God. And then he gives us the promise, and all of these things, they'll be added to you, all of these things, but only when we seek God. See, church, we have to understand whenever, if we're going to find God's will for our lives We have to understand first that God is with us, but how can God be with us if we don't make room, if we don't allow him the space and the opportunity to fill our lives? I think so many of us think that Christianity is just about fitting Jesus into our lives so that we can look good or feel good about ourselves, but that's not what Christianity is about at all. Christianity, following Jesus, is about following him and making our lives submissive to his will, to his kingdom. That's good. That's good. Mm. Point number one, if we're going to experience God's will in the land, we have to understand that God is with us. We have to make room for him. Asa, instead of making room for God in this political sanction. He just went in and tried to figure it all out for himself. Here's point number two. If we're going to experience God's will in the land, then we have to understand God's will for you. You have to understand God's will for you. Now, I really, really like this point right here. Because, did you know, it is not impossible to know the will of God. I think so many times we pray and we say, well, if it's in God's will, it'll happen. If it's in God's will. Let me ask you this. As a Christian, why don't you know the will of God? Ooh. (laughs) Why don't you know his will? Now, see, my kids, they know my rules in the house. They know what's right. They know what I expect. Now, they might not know why I expect these things or why these things are rules in my house. I know them. I know why rules are what they are. I don't want them to get hurt, so I don't want them climbing on the table. Uh, I don't want them, uh, you know, burning their hands, so I tell them not to be around the stove whenever the stove is on. You know, we, we put these things in place. Now, my kids know what I expect of them. Why would God leave us without that same understanding? Because the Bible tells us that we are children of God. So why, as his children, would we not know his will? We should, as his children know his will. Check this out. This is biblical. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity you see in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. As God's children... We can understand God's will for our lives, and we should. We shouldn't be walking around praying thoughtlessly or acting thoughtlessly. We should go into the presence of God and seek him, because when we seek him, he will make his will known to us. The Bible says we will find him, and he can help us to understand what he wants us to do. I wonder how this story would have changed, how Asa's life would have changed in this story if he would have just taken a moment when he went into the temple to grab the treasury, if he would have just taken a moment to just seek God first, to seek God first. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How many of us have wondered, God, what is your will for me? What is your will for my life? What is your will for this situation that I'm going through? God, I'm thinking about a career change. What's your will? Uh, God, we, we've got a lot of, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of debt uh, financial debt here. What is your will? How do, how do we do that? What's in your plans? God, I want to know your will. How many of us will pray these types of prayers, but then we, we won't take the time to really listen? We'll go into our prayer time and we'll pray, but we don't ever listen. And then we get done praying and we're like, well, I don't know. I think maybe if, if we saved money over here, then we could start this right here. And it would make sense if, if we moved over here to this area and, and we start to rationalize in our minds without ever truly wanting to hear what God's will was for our lives. And we call it faith. We say, well, I, I don't know if this is what God wants me to do, but I, I'm just going to take a leap of faith. I'm just going to step out in faith. <laughs> that sounds so biblical and it sounds so Christian, but guess what? It's not. The Bible tells us that we can know the will of God. Someone say, I can know the will of God. Come on, Colossians uh, chapter 1 verse 9 says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Ephesians 1 verse 9 Says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. Acts chapter 20, verse 27, Paul is writing to the elders of the church of Ephesus here, and he tells them this. He tells them, For I don't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. Wow. We see in uh, Acts 22. Verse fourteen through fifteen, Paul is—he's retelling the story of his conversion to Christ, and he tells us this. Says, uh, "Then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know His will and to see the righteous one and hear Him speak. For you are to be His witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard." Well, let's just pause right there. If God wants us to be His witnesses, what are we witnessing? What are we witnessing about? What are we talking about? We're talking about his will. We're talking, I mean, come on. We know the story. Jesus was born. He grew up somewhere around 30 years old. He was crucified on the cross. He had lived a sinless, blameless, perfect life. He was crucified on the cross. He died on the cross. He was buried in the grave. Three days later, what happens? Come on, he gets back out. We, we all know the story. Listen. That's our witness. The, Jesus, the story of Jesus is the story of God's love for us. He says, I wish that none would perish, but all would have eternal. Listen, that's his will. His will isn't that you die. His will is that you live. And I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. He, he doesn't want us to die. He wants us to live. We can know his will. Why? Because he wrote it down for us. He gave us his will to look at. So why, as his children, do we pray these prayers? God, well, if it's your will, we should say, God, I, is this your will? Let me look into your word and see what your will is so I can pray better, <laughs> so I can know how to pray. That's good stuff right there, church. That's good stuff. We need to understand the will of God. Mm. Last one, Colossians 4, verse 12. says, Epaphras A member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. Someone say the whole will. Come on. The whole will. I love this about our God. He does not hide himself from us. He does not hide himself from us. God went to extraordinary lengths to make his heart known to you and to me. And if we are going to experience God's will in the land, we have to understand, first of all, that God is with us. And second of all, we have to understand his will. And we do that by reading the word, by spending time in prayer and actually listening for him to speak, not just going into prayer and saying our wish list and then heading out. I love this. Asa. He responded with prayer whenever he was attacked. But he assumed God's will for the lesser things. I want you to notice this. Whenever Asa went into the treasury, he grabbed the treasury out of the temple of the Lord. And he brought it out and offered it to a foreign king to help him resolve some, uh, some diplomatic disputes in the land. He assumed that God's will was for him to take political action against a political situation. Because, hey, that would make sense, right? If you have a political situation, you should attack it with a political solution, correct? I mean, that's the way all of our logical minds would think. But see, if he took the time to seek God, he would understand that God's will was completely different. Because what did Asa do? He ended up giving the treasury to this foreign king, and then the prophet tells him, hey, Asa, do you remember how you used to seek God whenever things got tough and you were attacked with vast hordes of armies? Do you remember that? Well, Asa, if you would have sought God for this political situation, you you could have done something incredible, but instead you missed your chance to destroy your real enemy. God's will is that you destroyed the Arameans. But you are so caught up with this political dispute between you and Israel that you gave the treasuries of the Lord to your enemies. See, we can think that we're doing the right thing and we can assume to know God's will. But if you never seek God, you will never understand God's will for your life or for your situation. You have to take time to seek God, to seek his will. Here's the third point. If we're going to experience God's will in the land, then we have to understand that you may not understand. (laughs) So, point one is understand that God is with you. He is with you. Point number two is understand God's will for you. Here's point three. Understand that you may not understand. Right? That seems so counterproductive to everything we've already talked about. But please bear with me for just a moment. I, I was had a, a conversation with uh, Miss Diane this last week. We were talking about, uh, you know, things that are happening in, in our nation and uh, in, our, in our culture, our American culture. And, and uh, you know, we, we were talking about the, the division and, and all the, the chaos that's happening. And, and I said something to her. I said, you know, if I were God, I would do things completely different than the way God does them <laughs> Like, I know better, right? <laughs> like, you know, if I were God, if I could do anything, then I would do this, and I would do that, and I would take away that, and I would get rid of that, and I would do this. And, and this is, has anyone ever thought like that before? Or am I the only person that's ever thought that in the history of the world, that if I were God, I would do things completely different? I can just imagine whenever I said that to her, God's just like, <laughs> This guy hey, Gabriel, look at this guy. What is he doing? He's lost his mind. Here's the thing, church. We can know the will of God. I want to say it again. We can know the will of God. Now, the thing we might not understand is why this is the will of God or why that is the will of God. We may look at the political disagreements and and the way the people in our country are are coming at each other in so much division, we may look at that and be confused and think, man, how could God use this for his glory? But can I reassure you today, he can, and he wants to, and he will. Come on, that's good. And we don't have to understand why things are the way they are. We just have to be faithful where God has put us. We have to be faithful where he has put us. We look at everything going on and we get so distracted by that over there that we forget that if we just seek the Lord for me, if I just seek the Lord for me and what he wants me to do, then whatever else is happening in and around us will be secondary. We have to understand that we may not understand his will, but we can still follow. Now, it's said earlier that if we don't understand the will of God, a lot of times we'll take a leap of faith. We'll say, I'm just taking a leap of faith. No, we shouldn't do that whenever it comes to understanding God's will. Now, whenever you understand God's will, but you're like, I don't know, how is that going to make sense? How is that going to work? God, I don't know how you're going to make that work. I don't know why you've called me to do that. I don't know why you're telling me to do this or say that. I don't understand, but... I understand that that's what you want me to do. So I'm going to take a leap of faith and do it. I'm going to trust you. That's what faith is. It's trusting God. He gives us the directive. He tells us and shows us his will. We may not understand why that's his will, but we still step out in faith and believe and trust him for it. You see, Asa Instead of seeking the Lord for his will in this situation, he did what he thought was right. And I want you to understand this too. As Christians, a lot of times we will do things thinking maybe it's the Lord's will that I did. Maybe. And we will do things. And then we'll wait to see the results before we decide whether it was God's will, whether we hurt him or not. Has that ever happened to you? Come on. (laughs) I'm just going to step out in faith and see what happens. And if it works out, then hey, I must have heard God. But if it doesn't work out, oh man, I really missed him this time. See, Asa, he took the treasuries from the temple and he went out and bribed a foreign king. And guess what? It worked. The foreign king decided, yeah, yeah, we could make an agreement here. Just keep sending me some money, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. You want me to attack your, your, your rival Israel? Okay, we'll do it. So they go in, and they attack Israel. What happens? The king of Israel, he pulls his people away from this border city so that Asa can go back in, and he starts taking all these things that king had fortified the city with and, and moves them to another place. And in his mind, I would imagine Asa's thinking, all right, that works." That was great. That was fantastic. The, the, the political uh, differences, they, they've all been solved there. You know, the, the, the king of Israel, he's not pestering me. He's, not, he's leaving me alone. That's what I wanted. That's exactly what I wanted. That's what we got. Come on. It worked. I must have heard the Lord. But guess what? Whenever the prophet comes and talks to him, he says, listen, you didn't trust God for this. You made up your mind. You didn't ask for his mind on the matter. You just trusted yourself to do this. See, church, even whenever we do things that we think are God things, and even if they're successful, that doesn't mean that it was God's will. Because you remember, God's will was not that he make this treaty with Aram. God's will was that he defeated Aram, defeated the armies of Aram. How this political and this... uh, this Jewish culture could have changed if he would have sought God because I want you to notice what the prophet said. He said, you missed your chance to defeat your enemies. In other words, you had the chance. God gave you the chance. They were right there, but you didn't listen for God. You didn't trust him. You didn't seek his will in this situation, and you missed it. Instead of defeating them, now you owe them money. Oh, come on. So, even when we think things are successful, or even whenever we look at things and they don't seem to have worked out, we can't base that, we can't use that to base our decision on whether or not we heard God. We need to hear God before we take action, first of all. Come on. As Christians, we need to hear God before we take action. But no matter how it turns out, we need to stand on that word that God gave us and say, hey, this doesn't look right. But I know that's what God called me to do. I know that's what he told me to do. So I'm standing here. And this enemy is not going to shake me. He is not going to move me. He is not going to change my mind about this. It looks crazy. But I'm standing in faith in Jesus. Come on. I want to read a verse of scripture here in Isaiah 55, verse 6. It says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord. Someone say, turn to the Lord, that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God. Anytime you read in the Bible and he repeats something, what he's saying is, hey, really, listen, this is is important for you. This is really important. He says, yes, turn to God, for he will forgive generously. He wants us to know that if we have done something wicked, if we have stepped out in faith, not knowing, and, and made a mistake and made a fool of ourselves, we can still turn back to God, and he will generously forgive. And then this is what he says. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. Come on. Listen, the word of God always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Come on, church, if there was no other to base your hope on, just read this scripture over and over this week. God's word will succeed. His word, his will, will win every time. Every time. His word produces so much fruit. And you will live in joy and peace. Wow. But look at this last part. It says, the mountains and hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. I'm going to say it again. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. One more time. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. Jesus, we, we depend on this word, God. We depend on that. They will be an everlasting sign. These events will be an everlasting sign of God's power and love. You see, we, as the children of God, have the opportunity to understand the will of God. But again, we may not understand his ways. We may not understand his thoughts. We can understand his will, but maybe not understand his ways or his thoughts. But this is what we can live on. It says the mountains and hills will burst into song. Did you know in the Bible, all throughout Scripture, mountains are symbolic of there being a great uh, object in front of you, a great difficulty. The mountain always represents a hardship or a trial or something that, that it's difficult to get over. But I love this. It says the mountains will burst into song. Listen, church. The difficulty that we're facing will turn into a worship if we seek God here in the land. It will turn into a worship. It says this. It says the trees of the hill will clap their hands. You know, I always, I, whenever I think about trees, I, I think about the, the verse in Scripture where it says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And then it tells us that Jesus was hung on the tree so that he would receive the curse that was, that was really mine to bear. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. It says the trees of the field will clap their hands. Listen, what the enemy meant to curse you with, come on, can be something that you can turn into a praise. Because, not because of of our efforts, but because of Jesus. That's so good. So good. Where once there were thorns, life will grow. Mm -hmm. Cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew and seemed to confuse the land, myrtles will sprout up. And these events will bring great honor to our God. So if we're going to see God's will in the land that we're living, in our lives, we have to do a few things. We have to understand that God is with us. And that if we seek him, we will find him for every situation in our lives. Number two, understand God's will for your life. As a Christian, you should know God's will for your life. If you don't, ask him, God, what, what is your will? What is your will? And don't just hope that maybe he writes it in the sky, but look for it. Come on, you want to know the will of God? Get in the presence of God. Seek him. And then also understand that you don't have to understand everything. <laughs> just understand where God has put you and be faithful where he has planted you. Mm. So this is what I want to encourage you to do this week. I want to encourage you not to do like Asa did. We, we, in chapters 14 and 15, we read this incredible story of his life, and he is the, the model citizen, the one that we should pattern our lives after in knowing the heart of God because he sought the Lord so wholeheartedly. But at the end of his life, you remember what happens. He makes a wrong decision. He misses his chance on on what God had designed and put in place for him over here. But he had the opportunity then to turn to the Lord again. Let the wicked leave their ways and turn to God. Notice what it says here at the end of uh, chapter 16. It says in the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. Yet, even with the severity of the disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physicians. What's the result of that? It tells us in verse 13. So he died. If Asa would have just turned and went back into the presence of God and sought God, he would have been healed. That's what the word is telling us here. The reason he died is because he did not seek God. See, we have to understand that he's with us in every situation, that we can turn to him even after we we produce terrible things in our lives. We can always turn back to him, and he's there to heal us. He's there to be with us. He's there to speak with us. He's there because he loves us, church. Come on. Come on. So here's what I want to challenge you with this week. Set aside Thirty minutes one morning this week and whatever situation that you're going through in your life today so set aside a special 30 minutes and get in the presence of God turn on, this is what I do, I, I turn on some worship music and I'll spend a little bit of time just, just worshiping, and singing the song, just worshiping from my heart and then get into the word of God and as you open the word just pray, Holy Spirit Help me to understand what you're speaking to me today. And tell me something. (laughs) Show me something. Help me to see what you're wanting to do in my life. Help me to understand your will for my life. As I read your word, I pray that you would speak to me today. And guess what? You will. Because it's a promise. If you seek the Lord, you will find him. How much time have we wasted not knowing what the will of God is for our lives? Whenever this biblical principle is, it's it's so in our face that if we seek him, we will find him. We will find him. Come on, church. Jesus, we love you so much. God, we thank you for your word. And I pray today, Lord, that, that we wouldn't live a life like Asa did, God, but that we would live a life that continues on until the very end, that we would be a people, that we would be a church, that we would be a family that continually seeks your presence in every situation that we face and for every situation that, that our community faces, God, that we would seek your heart. God, that we wouldn't be such in a rush to make a decision or to to make an emotional decision, God, but that we would take the time to go into your presence and to get to know your will for our lives and for our situations. God, I pray that we would be the people that our community would look at and say, man, those people have found God. They have found him in their church. They have found him in their homes. God, let that be our testimony that we find your presence every single day, that we know your heart, that we know your will for us, God, and that we would know that you are with us. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for this word, and I pray that every person here would leave this place encouraged and equipped to go out and to share the good news with those around them so that unbelievers too can understand your will for their lives. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Amen, amen. love you so much, church. Have a wonderful day. Go seek the presence of God. Enjoy the football game if that's what you're going to do tonight. But seek the presence of God this week. Amen. Love you.